0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to That Time When, the comedy history podcast where each week we tell you about some strange or unusual event that happened in history. I am your host for this week, once again, third week in a row, Barnaby King, and joining me is my co host, Amelia Edwards. Hello. Hello. So this is going to be part two of That Time When the Franklin Expedition disappeared. So if you haven't listened to part one, then you should probably go back and listen to it. Otherwise, there may be a number of things that don't make much sense. Well, um, it's
1: about two boats
0: <laughs> yes. uh, and
1: they get stuck
0: yeah. in the ice. Yeah, that's... um. That's a pretty good summary, actually. Uh, ooh, I may have over-egged the last episode. No, not at all. We were doing
1: <laughs> loads about people's backstories, which yes, was indeed. hilarious and
0: weird. Yes. And I have to make an apology <gasps> about last week's episode. Oh, no. Specifically to you. Oh, hello. Because early on in the episode, you called the leader of the expedition... Uh, captain sir john franklin you called him captain sir james franklin yeah and i chastised you thoroughly uh telling you that there would be plenty of jameses later on and then when i was listening to it while editing it i then proceeded later on not once but twice called him (laughs) james franklin so yeah he i I was wrong it is john franklin okay i think i was just getting overexcited about the amount of jameses
1: it's difficult isn't it because also james is
0: short for john is it i swear it is i thought I, th- I was thinking of like john and jack
1: oh i don't know maybe
0: i think it's jack is short for john
1: oh i don't know i'm tired <laughs> <laughs> that's all right i'm uh, tired we're trapped in the arctic ice yep it's chilly we've been here for a week
0: and the food's a bit crap
1: <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. So we've actually started watching the BBC version of The Terror. Mm, We have. So I now have a little bit more of an idea about what's going to come up, I think.
0: Yeah, a little bit. Um, I've been finding it very interesting because of the changes from the book. Mm. Uh, The book is very long. Um, (laughs) I think it's like 900 odd pages. Yeah. Uh, So they've had to condense quite a bit. And there are some choices that I think are pretty good and some that I'm a bit like what's going to happen here but you know we, we've still got a few episodes to go we shall see we shall see so back to the actual topic for this week we left off last time with the ships they've been prepared they've been modified for arctic conditions mm-hmm. and they've been uh, getting all their stores ready and they're just about to set sail so both ships HMS Erebus and HMS Terra set sail from Kent on the 19th of May, 1845. Okay. They had a crew of 134 between them. There's 110, like, just regular sailors and 24 officers.
1: Okay, jeez.
0: Yeah, this was a pretty big crew. Mm -hmm. um, Bearing in mind that Franklin's first failed expedition to the Arctic, he had a crew of 20.
1: Is there a reason why it's such a big crew?
0: I think it's partly because uh, this was hailed as a pretty big expedition, but I think it was it was also that these were very modern ships, so it was kind of seen that, you know, you need a lot of people to work them.
1: Okay, that makes uh, sense.
0: Remember that these ships have been modified to have, like, a full steam locomotive on board, yeah. which immediately introduces a load of new job, require- job requirements for the crew.
1: Yeah, that makes a load of sense. Okay,
0: sure. Hmm. So they travel away from Britain, and they have a brief stop in the Orkneys. Okay, nice. uh, Just do a bit of sightseeing, it seems, Mm -hmm. uh, before moving on to Greenland, which is the first stop on the way to the sort of the Arctic Circle area of Canada. Mm -hmm. And this is a 30-day journey, and they're not actually alone. They have a couple of transport ships with them. And this is because they are holding, among other things, Oxen, another cattle for them to slaughter when they get to Greenland because that way they'll have some fresh meat. Okay. Because most of the rest of the stuff they have is dried and salted mm-hmm. and even at this point in history they know that fresh food generally better.
1: Sure okay so is the idea that the meat that they've slaughtered will keep in the cold afterwards? Yes. All right yeah but they don't want to slaughter it in
0: Britain otherwise it'll go off because it's slightly too warm. Exactly Okay. Yeah. And it's also just better, like, the closer you can get to the point, like, between slaughtering and eating, the better. But yeah, I mean, the the conditions will make it easier to keep Mm. the meat fresh for longer in, you know arctic conditions
1: it's something you don't really think about isn't it the idea of transporting animals Mm. when you're on your various expeditions it was one of my favorite little tidbits about medieval sea travel okay is because it was so hard to transport cows Mm -hmm. and people were advised if they were wealthy to take a supply of almonds with them so they could have almond milk
0: Oh, that's so cool, isn't it? Because you think of almond milk as like a a sort of very modern, bougie thing now. Oh
1: yeah, no, it's super old.
0: Ah, that's really cool. Mm. Interesting. Well, they didn't have almond milk; they had a load of cattle to slaughter. (laughs) Great. Uh, They also, these transport ships, were there to take back letters for the families uh, of the sailors, because, like, everyone knows this is a very dangerous journey. Mm. So you want to try and have as much correspondence as possible. And these (laughs) are, like, the last letters that these men are probably going to be sending for some time.
1: God, it's such an
0: undertaking. Yeah, it is ridiculous. We also gather a little bit about the sort of general condition of the uh, men on board the ships. We learn that John Franklin, mm-hmm. as we established last time, is a devoutly religious man. Oh, yeah. And as such, he has forbidden swearing and drunkenness on his ship.
1: Oh, my God. Those are the only things that sailors have to look forward to.
0: <laughs> it's like the thing sailors are known for. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, okay, great. It seems like... You probably want to be on Terra rather than Erebus. Mm-hmm. It seems that Crozier, captaining that ship, is a little bit more lax about these things. <laughs> okay. You know, he's the actual experienced Arctic sailor.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, that is actually a point. I, I, I mentioned that there are 134 men in total. Yeah. You want to guess at how many have actually got experience of Arctic traveling before? Ten. Six. Oh my god. Yep. I was being facetious. Nope. Six. Oh dear. Okay. And these were the officers. Uh to be fair, like that was more important, but that still is only a quarter of the officers have actually been to the Arctic before.
1: <laughs> Great. Had any of them been to the Antarctic?
0: Well yeah, crazier.
1: Like but not the Arctic, I mean. What? So I mean, had any of them been to the Antarctic yes. but not the Arctic?
0: Oh, I see. I see. I see. Uh, No, the only one who'd been, I think, to the Antarctic was Crozier and he'd been to both. Oh, right. okay. So
1: generally cold conditions, six men.
0: Yeah. Cool. All right. Yeah. When the ships get to Greenland and they sort of get all the stuff from the transport ships, they also send back five men. And apparently this this was something that was quite common on longer voyages. That on the first stop, you get rid of the men who are either too sickly to continue mm-hmm. or generally just a bit shit. Okay. Um, which might also be the reason for why there are so many men on this yeah is that you know wastage yeah you want to you want to weed out the shit ones first
1: oh god wouldn't that be embarrassing getting home early
0: yeah i mean i think there is also i I think in this case it's probably more likely due to illness
1: okay this is already
0: yes already and this is something that we'll get to quite a little bit later on but Mm -hmm. yeah So this leaves a complement of 129. So it's all 24 officers and 105 men. Okay. And the last that was then seen of either ships was by some whaling ships off Baffin Bay, which is between the west coast of Greenland and Baffin Island. Okay. And the ships were basically waiting for good conditions so they could go through the Lancaster Sound. Right. Because already at this point, it looks like the weather is not going to be great. These are not the years to pick for Arctic travel. Okay. But But they,
1: they carry on regardless. They
0: carry on regardless, I think, because this is a hugely expensive undertaking. Yeah. And they can't really turn... Well, they could turn back, but basically no one in charge would ever get any work like this again. Yeah. They'd be like figures of public ridicule. So I can totally see them going, you know what, we're going to continue. We've got these incredibly advanced boats. Mm -hmm. We're We're going to be absolutely fine. They were not fine. None of the crew survived.
1: Oh, my God. Okay. In
0: 1848, so three years after they left, there had been no word of them whatsoever. And Lady Jane Franklin, the wife of John Franklin, she was basically beside herself. Because she was like, hey, we really should have heard something by now. Yeah. And the Admiralty were like, no, it's Arctic travel. It's absolutely fine. Don't you worry your pretty little head about this. Mm -hmm. So Lady Jane starts convincing others instead that, you know we should maybe be looking for these ships. Okay. And she manages to convince uh, a number of members of parliament Mm. and as well she also got general public support on her side to the point where the admiralty basically had to go fine.
1: That is awesome Yeah. like what a cool lady managing to achieve that much when somebody quite powerful like the whole admiralty is like no don't Mm -hmm. worry like that's actually
0: that's very cool. It is very cool, and clearly she was able to like. I I, I I pretend that like they're super reluctant, but clearly at this point, once they've decided to go in, they go pretty much all in on this because mm. they offer a reward of twenty thousand pounds for people who can recover the ships. Okay, that is more than two and a half million pounds in today's money.
1: Okay, oh, that's nearly as much as discovering the pole is. Exactly, isn't
0: it? yeah. Jesus. Discovering the Northwest Passage. Yeah. Uh, So this was, yeah, this was pretty big stuff at this point. So the first expeditions to go off in search of the uh, Franklin expedition, uh, there were three an overland expedition and two sea expeditions. Okay. One of these ships was captained by Sir James Ross. James Ross! Yes. He got better then? He got better. (laughs) Okay. Or was like, you know... Felt a bit guilty. Felt a bit guilty. I know that I was probably the better person for this rather than Franklin. I Mm -hmm. may have sent these people to their doom. I should probably go look.
1: Yeah. What a babe.
0: Yeah. They find nothing.
1: What? Nothing at all?
0: Nothing at all. Okay. There is absolutely no sign of either ships. Mm Mm-hmm. No one seems to... Well, at this point, it seems like they haven't thought of talking to the local Inuit tribes.
1: Well, they know that the local Inuits would have been afraid of Franklin because he'd have been trying to eat them
0: all. (laughs) Yeah, maybe that's the thing. Maybe they were just like, these Inuits surely couldn't have been in contact with Franklin. They've got all their limbs. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) So over the next four years, more and more... Uh, efforts were made to search by sea and these were all unsuccessful okay in fact they were so unsuccessful that one of the search parties uh was for was made up of five ships and they were forced to abandon four of them what because they got stuck in the pack ice oh
1: my god
0: yeah yeah uh another group did find some ships Mm -hmm. frozen in an iceberg Turns out these were some whaling ships that had gotten abandoned many years ago. (laughs) Okay. This place just seems like it's becoming a ship graveyard right now. Yeah,
1: I mean, there's a whole thing in the terror's opening scene where you Mm. see the ships kind of rising up and getting pushed over by the ice. And I've got this image now of just like this barren wasteland with all of these ancient ships like tilting to one side.
0: Yeah, it seems like that was probably... Not an unrealistic image of what it would have been like in certain areas of the Arctic Circle. Great. <laughs> yeah, it is grim. So these sea searches were pretty miserable failures. In fact, the captain in charge of the expedition where they lost four of the five ships was court martialed afterwards. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Was that, was it his fault or were they just being I, like, you can't leave
0: four ships? I, I think it's, I think it's probably a bit of both. Like you, you really can't leave four ships. Like abandoning your ship uh, for a captain was basically, that's the end of your career. Right. You are never getting back from that. Okay. This is someone who abandoned four. <laughs>
1: yeah. it was like, well, might as well be hanged for a chicken as for an egg. Oh, I don't think he was hanged. <laughs> oh, no, no. But that, that's what I was saying.
0: Oh, sorry, I, I, yeah. Is it?
1: Hang, what? Might as well be hanged for a chicken as for an egg. I've never
0: heard that before.
1: As in, like, if I'm going to I uh, get... Yeah, yeah
0: I, I get what you mean, but I, I, I've i just never heard that before. Where the hell does that come from? I don't know. Oh, fair enough.
1: Chicken thieves, I guess.
0: <laughs> Those <laughs> rascally rogues. <laughs> <laughs> but we love their free hearts. Mm. Um, okay, so they stop searching by sea because it's clearly going nowhere and start doing more overland expeditions so they get involved with americans okay because you know they're closer yeah i mean that that does help <laughs> yeah. that way
1: you don't have five people drop out of your expedition yeah. before
0: you even get to the expedition yeah and it seems that the people that doing these overland expeditions whoever was doing them They all seem to be much more comfortable with the idea of, you know, chatting with the locals. Oh,
1: good. Finally. Yeah. In
0: 1854, the Ray Richardson expedition met with uh, local Inuits and they're basically the first people to actually get some information about what the hell has happened. (laughs) Okay. And the locals claim that they had seen about 40 white men uh, trudging through the snow heading south. Okay. Presumably away from the ships. So John Ray, in July 1854, he wrote a letter describing what he had uncovered from speaking with the Inuits. I'm going to read some of it out here. Okay. I'm not going to read all of it because it's pretty long. Uh, (laughs) They're verbose, those Victorians. Yes. In the spring, four winters past, spring 1850, a party of white men, amounting to about 40, were seen travelling southward over the ice and dragging a boat with them by some Eskimo, who were killing seals near the north shore of King William's Land, which is a large island. None of the party could speak the Eskimo language intelligibly, but by the signs of the natives were made to understand that their ship or ships had been crushed by the ice, and that they were now going to where they expected to find deer to shoot. From the appearance of the men, all of whom except one officer looked thin, They were were then supposed to be getting short of provisions and purchased a small seal from the natives. At a later date the same season, but previous to the breaking up of the ice, the bodies of some 30 persons were discovered on the continent and five on an island near it, about a long day's journey to the northwest of a large stream, which can be no other than Bach's Great Fish River as its description and that of the low shore in the neighbourhood of Point Ogle and Montreal Island agree exactly with that of Sir George Back. Some of the bodies had been buried, probably those of the first victims of famine. Some were in a tent or tents, others under the boat which had been turned over to form a shelter, and several lay scattered about in different directions. Of those found on the island, one was supposed to have been an officer, as he had a telescope strapped over his shoulders and his double barreled gun lay underneath him. From the mutilated state of many of the corpses and the contents of the kettles, it is evident that our wretched countrymen had been driven to the last resource, cannibalism, as a means of prolonging existence. Oh, gods. Yeah. Okay. So whatever happened had left them in a desperate enough position that they were forced to trek over the ice Mm -hmm. uh, south from the ships in order to try and find... Food. Food. Right. Now, we to to skip forward just a bit, we know now roughly where the ships were uh, locked in the pack ice. Okay. And basically, if you are going to be stuck in ice anywhere... That was basically the absolute worst place you could be stuck.
1: <laughs> okay, how it's, come?
0: Well, it's an incredibly barren area. It has no real coverage for the storms mm. and the blizzards. And also, it is not a hunting ground for any animals. Great. And we mentioned on the last episode that Arctic expeditions would expect on their way to be fishing and hunting in order to keep up their supplies of fresh food. Mm-hmm but clearly in this case it was simply not possible because they were just stuck in an area where there was nothing
1: that is mad i didn't know there was anywhere where there was nothing mm. i've watched enough david attenborough documentaries to be convinced that everywhere's got something
0: apparently this is an area where you're just you're you're shit out of luck great okay <laughs> now this letter was controversial yeah Because of the cannibalism. Uh. Basically, the Admiralty didn't want this to be said. Mm -hmm. The public didn't really want to hear about it. And John Franklin's widow was particularly angry at this assertion that, you know, her husband Mm -hmm. had uh, succumbed to cannibalism. And this actually led to John Ray being spurned publicly by Charles Dickens. What? Yes. (laughs) Okay. Dickens wrote on behalf of Franklin's widow uh, about a week after these findings were published. And Dickens basically said, this is all bollocks. This is is fake news.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh, this is so much drama
0: and gossip. (laughs) And it actually led to a series of competing articles written between Dickens, Ray... Uh, And another gentleman uh, debating the matter.
1: Okay. And Ray was like, look, they found human flesh. What do you want me
0: to say? (laughs) They found human flesh and bones that had clearly been cut with knives. Yeah. So Uh... this is a particularly like, this is the real kick in the teeth. The other searchers for Franklin on this expedition were given knighthoods Apart from John Ray.
1: The only person to find out anything. <laughs> yes.
0: Great. He did, though, collect a £10,000 reward. Oh, good. I think that this was kind of like, now shut up. Yeah. <laughs> now stop saying that good English gentlemen could engage in cannibalism. Yeah. The men don't care, but the officers do oh, no. know. Oh, no,
1: no, 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 no. Okay. So is that kind of the last that we hear about Franklin and his no, expedition?
0: No, not quite. Because after this, the British government... Clearly sees that there's not much worth in funding further expeditions.
1: They're just going to find out about more cannibalism exactly. they don't want to know about.
0: So they uh, they pronounce every, every member of the expedition dead. Okay. Despite this, though, Lady Franklin pops up again. Mm-hmm. And she's unable to convince the Admiralty to do another expedition. So she personally finances one in 1857. Oh my god. And this is actually one of the most successful searches. (laughs) This is known as the Fox Expedition and its first major find was in 1859 where they found the only written documents by the Franklin Expedition. Okay. And these are known as the Victory Point Notes because they were found at an area of Victory Point uh, in Cairns. They basically built up or they, they had used old cairns, one mm-hmm. that had been built by uh, Sir James Ross when he had travelled to the area, another they had built themselves, and then put the message in a sealed tube inside it so that it could be protected from the harsh conditions.
1: Okay, that's pretty clever. Like, that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, how come no one had
0: checked James Ross's cairn before? It is not an easy cairn to find.
1: <laughs> well, that's a pointless cairn, then. <laughs> you made a bad cairn, Ross.
0: I think there was also this idea that they didn't expect them to be, to like have traveled to his Cairn. Okay. There was, there's definitely a sense of people searched in the areas they thought it would be most likely because, you know, Northern Canada is pretty big.
1: I mean, fair. Yeah. So
0: it's hard to scour the whole thing. So you've got to go with what are the best options. Okay. So the Victory Point notes, as I say, are the only uh, written evidence of what happened after the ships disappeared.
1: And it's entirely Franklin going, I didn't eat anyone.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just so as you know. None of the notes are written by Franklin. Okay. Which is very interesting. Hmm. The uh, supposition based on handwriting is that they were all written by Commander James Fitzjames.
1: Oh, James Fitzjames.
0: Yes, he's back. Um... In the first letter, things seem pretty chipper. He writes that the, the Erebus and Terror wintered in the ice, and, mm-hmm. assert, and he gives the uh, coordinates. Yeah. And also says that they had wintered in 1846 to 1847 at Beachy Island. This is actually not true. What? We'll get to that later on. Okay,
1: that's a shame because Beachy Island sounds super chill.
0: Oh, they did go to Beachy Island, just not that year. O- okay, okay. Uh, they continue on with some more uh, more directions, basically, of where they've travelled. Mm-hmm. And then the letter ends, Sir John Franklin commanding the expedition, all well, underlined. And this is, party consisting of two officers and six men left the ships on Monday, 24th of May, 1847, in order to put this in the cairn, basically. Right. And it's signed, G.M. Gore, Lieutenant, and Chas F. DeVoe, Mate. So these are the two officers who went along as part of this expedition. Okay. The second part of the Victory Point letter is kind of written in the margins because this is on pre-printed Admiralty paper, which already has a load of stuff written on it. <laughs> okay. And here, it's presumed is written on the 25th of April, 1848. It's, we say presumably because the first part of the letter has kind of been destroyed. Okay. HMS uh, HMS ships Terra and Erebus were deserted on the 22nd of April 5 leagues north northwest of this having been beset since 12th September 1846 the officers and crews consisting of 105 souls under the command of captain F R M Crozier landed here in and then gives the coordinates right This paper was found by Lieutenant Irving under the cairn supposed to have been built by Sir James Ross in 1831, four miles to the northward, where it had been deposited by the late Commander Gore in June 1847. Sir James Ross's pillar has not, however, been found, and the paper has been transferred to this position, which is that in which Sir J. Ross's pillar was erected. Sir John Franklin died on the 11th of June 1847 and the total loss by deaths in the expedition has been to this date nine officers and 15 men signed James Fitzjames captain HMS Erebus and signed FRM Crozier captain and senior officer and start on tomorrow 26th for Backs Fish River
1: Okay so uh, we've we've lost
0: we lost Franklin two weeks after the first letter was penned. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Now, this gives us some indication of what happened uh, because, as I said, the first letter was written by Fitzjames. Yeah. The supposition is that Franklin was taken ill which uh, making him unable to write the letter himself, because as the captain of the expedition, he should have been the one to write the first letter. Yeah. The fact that he didn't suggests that he was incapable of doing so. Mm. And the fact that he died two weeks later suggests that he was suffering from a long-term illness at this point.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: But we also... There's a few other things that we can learn from these letters. Partly because of the errors in them. Okay. As I mentioned already, the first letter says that they wintered in 1846 to 7 at Beachy Island. Yeah. But this isn't true. They wintered there the year before, 1845 to 46. Okay. And this is not just like a mistake of writing it down because a second copy of this letter was found with the same error, suggesting that the original from which they were copied from was incorrect. Okay. We also have the fact that they are apparently unable to find this cairn that they found before. Which is why I kind of said that, you know, it's hard to find.
1: Yeah, okay.
0: Now, this has led to later speculation about what was going on on the ships. Because Fitzjames is not someone you would have expected to make such weird errors. Mm. Now, there is a suggestion, and this is partly corroborated and it did for a while it was the sort of prevailing idea of what had happened the supposition was that the crew of both ships had ingested large amounts of lead (laughs) okay if you remember last time we talked about how the canned goods Mm -hmm. for the ship had been bought up cheap basically yeah by a supplier who promised to deliver them in seven weeks and this was several thousand cans
1: yeah and that was like a real rush job
0: yeah and it suggested that it was a rush job to the point that the soldering of the cans was badly done okay leading to droplets of lead melting into the food and also for some of them to basically not be sealed properly and to spoil the food.
1: Oh, God. Okay.
0: Because, as we said last time, they were given supplies for three years, but they're clearly in a desperate enough position later on.
1: Yeah, they they haven't had three years worth of food. Exactly.
0: So the suggestion is that something must have happened to contaminate the food supply. Okay. Now, this was supported by the fact that in these later expeditions, uh, like when they found the Victory Point notes, they also started finding bodies.
1: Oh God! Okay.
0: Now, not many of them. Mm. I think in total, I think it's less than ten have been found. It might, it might be a little bit more, but okay. like, they haven't found the entire crew. But they have found grave sites uh, where men have been buried. In some cases, uh, in some cases, this was just left in a boat. Oh, great. Uh, yeah. With a load of supplies, which is odd. That's weird. Yeah. Okay. Um, but the ones that are particularly interesting are actually the earliest deaths. So before they got stuck in the pack ice, they actually had three deaths on board. Oh, God.
1: Just the whole thing. Like, even before the yeah. worst thing happens. Yeah. You've turned away five men and three more have died.
0: <laughs> well, they were died and their graves were found uh, in Greenland. Okay. And they had been dug, basically, into the permafrost. Whoa, all right. Yeah. But this is actually great news for historians. Oh, has it preserved them? They were preserved well enough that in the 1980s they could be autopsied. What? Yeah.
1: That is mad. Yeah.
0: At least two out of the three bodies were in, like, good enough condition. Apparently the third one had been gnawed by rats prior to burial.
1: Oh, God.
0: Yeah. All right. So it is quite possible that that was the first person to die and he had to be left in the hold for a mm. while and the rats got in.
1: Yeah, that that makes sense. Rat's gonna
0: rat. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> so the autopsy did reveal that there was large amounts of lead in their system. Okay. But the thing about lead poisoning... Mm-hmm is that it is not really possible to kill someone or for someone to die by ingesting lead. Really? Yeah, after a a certain amount of point, like the body simply will not take any more in and will vomit up anything more.
1: Okay, first off,
0: gross. Yep. And secondly, that is useful to know because the
1: children at my school keep thinking that when they get graphite into their hands, Mm. they're going to get lead poisoning, which obviously, no, because it's not
0: lead. No, but... (laughs) Lead poisoning does have another nasty side effect, which goes some way to explaining what might have happened.
1: Is it that they d- it drives people mad? It does, yes. I remember you telling me about this on our episode about gladiator sweat. Yes,
0: the lead in the water pipes. Mm, so these um, are
1: all mini Caligulas.
0: Well, not quite. So I, I exaggerated a bit there. Like it, it, it doesn't quite turn you like foaming zombie bath salts mad. Okay. Um, but it does... Uh, mess with your memory. Okay. And uh, clouds your judgment. Okay. And it's suggested that this is why we see these weird errors in Fitzjames's writing, because the part of the memory that's affected by lead poisoning is specifically for, like, recalling long-term information.
1: Okay. It's not
0: procedural stuff. So their duties, they would have been perfectly fine to continue acting as normal. Mm. But facts and information...
1: They're just going to get the wrong date.
0: Yeah, but it's also is suspected that this might be why they couldn't find the can for the second note is because they were in like further stages of lead poisoning. Oh, and their judgment was was getting more and more clouded.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: However, despite this, it doesn't seem like it was actually the canned food. Really? But, no. How do we know? We know basically from the amount that it changed that it would have changed in their diet because okay. they can tell that it's like a continuous supply of lead basically, <laughs> rather than spikes as you would expect from uh, canned food. Yeah, okay. What would probably have poisoned them with lead is actually their water system. Really? Yeah. Because of the steam engine, they had a distillation system on board so they could have constant fresh water. Mm. And what do you think this is partly made out of? Is it made out of lead? It's made out of lead. Oh my God. <laughs> so they were drinking themselves crazy.
1: Oh God. Okay.
0: Now I mentioned already though that lead poisoning is not a thing that's going to kill you. So yeah. what is the thing that is clearly made so many of the men die even before they succumbed to starvation in the arctic wastes because as we said in the second letter to this date nine officers and 15 men had died Mm. which also is a little bit unusual this is something i haven't really been able to find an answer to but that is a high number of officers compared to the amount there are Yeah, it is a really high number of officers, actually. Yeah, and you would expect, if it's something like, you know, malnutrition or anything like that, that it would be the crew who would go first, because, you know, the officers are still going to get the best shit.
1: And also the crew have probably historically had less as well. Absolutely. So
0: it's, it's, it's curious that. But anyway, the autopsies on the body found that the principal thing that contributed to their death was zinc deficiency. Oh my God. Okay,
1: that's not something that I ever thought could be a death sentence.
0: No, but what it does is it weakens your immune system. Uh, Okay. So in these men, the autopsies found symptoms of tuberculosis and pneumonia. Oh God, okay. Not in enough sort of like quantity to kill an ordinary person, but possibly enough to kill someone who's compromised by uh, by having a lack of zinc. Okay. Now, I've seen this touted as an explanation. I think it's a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. But what I don't understand is why they didn't have enough zinc. Because clearly this is not something that has been a big enough problem before, mm. as other ships, you know, other expeditions have gone out and come back without half the men dying or like everyone disappearing or something. True. Uh, what do you get zinc in then? I mean, a lot of foods. Uh, I think you get them in fruits, nuts, fresh fish. Um, in fact, That's that... why. Yeah. It's
1: because they couldn't fish because yeah. they were stuck in pack ice in the middle of nowhere when no one else had been stuck in that kind of nowhere pack ice before.
0: And I bet them canned goods didn't contain any lovely zinc.
1: I bet those didn't contain any vitamins whatsoever.
0: Nah, just lead. <laughs> <laughs> they just gnawed on a block of lead. Oh, God. <laughs> Mmm, delicious this. What is it? Pheasant. It's a bit hard. (laughs) Okay, so we've talked a lot about the fact that these ships were frozen in pack ice. Yeah. And we now have from the victory point note that the ships were abandoned and that the crew had to make a journey overland as we get from interviews with the Inuits. Mm.
1: But clearly not all the crew are travelling together at that point.
0: Well, it is quite possible that at that point, they were the ones who were left. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. But there is another possibility as well, which I'll get to later. Now, when the men journeyed overland, further interviews with Inuit tribes gained more of a sort of picture of what had been going on with them. And unfortunately... What may have caused, or like what may have been partly responsible for the fact that their overland expedition was a failure is due to specialisation. Okay. So these are all sailors. Yep. They are not trained for overland Arctic exploration. None of them are, not even the officers. The Inuits reported that they had brought with them huge amounts of unnecessary supplies that they had basically looted from the ships, possibly thinking that, you know, these will be useful when actually Mm. they won't be. And we know this because uh, some of the Inuits actually looted the bodies and gravesites later on because, you know, who cares? Fair enough. Yeah. And uh, they were actually, these artifacts were recovered. Okay. And... I, I don't have the exact list of what they brought with them. Mm-hmm. But basically, according to the Inuits, they were hugely overburdened. So these are men who are already quite weak. Yep. Forced to make an overland trip over the Arctic. Yeah. And pull heavy loads while doing so.
1: Great. Okay. When really all they should have taken with them was like food, clothing, that kind of thing. Yeah.
0: I mean, the occasional
1: they... telescope to
0: trade with the Inuits. Well, they did, they did have to take a boat because yeah. what they were probably trying to do was find well as i said find the river yeah so they could it, it would be difficult to like just pull it on a sort of sled you would have to like drag it part of the way because it's not just going to be solid ice yeah um but yeah they definitely put in far too much for the men to actually carry but you mentioned already that it seems that clearly not all the men were there at this point yeah And this is something that is very interesting. We actually now know where the Erebus and Terra are. The wrecks of both ships were found in 2014. (laughs) No! And 2016.
1: Wait, okay, they weren't found at the same
0: time? They weren't found at the same time, nor were they found together. Oh my god. No. Okay. So the Erebus was found first. In mm. 2014. And it was in rough condition. Okay. As you might expect. <laughs> I mean, ap- it had
1: been there for a while. Yeah,
0: but apparently even for a shipwreck, it was pretty bad.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: But obviously the expectation was, oh, we'll find the terror pretty soon. Yeah. And they couldn't find it. Okay. And it was only when uh, one of the local Canadian rangers, who was an Inuit... mm recalled something that happened a number of years prior to this event. And he had remembered seeing, sticking out of the water at one point, a mast. Okay. And then it disappeared. Yeah. Once he remembered this, they found the wreck of the terror two and a half hours later.
1: That's so cool. Yeah,
0: right? And the terror was in much better condition. Okay. Um, In fact, for a shipwreck, it is pretty amazing how well-preserved it is. But they also found it 100 kilometres south of where they expected it. Right. Now, this is what is supposed to have happened. The overland expedition starts, but it's clear to some of the men that this is not going to work. So either by agreement or... By mutiny, or possibly it's Crozier turning back and other people going on, the group splits. Okay. One group moves on and the other group goes back to the Erebus and the Terror to basically wait until the pack ice breaks up, which it does do eventually. But what happens is that the ships have been so battered by the pack ice pressing in on them Mm. for so many years that they're not really seaworthy. And they can only travel a short distance before they sink.
1: Oh, God. That's so tragic. I
0: know, right? Okay. So this is kind of where we end up with the Franklin expedition. We think we have an idea of what killed them, mm-hmm. mostly it being zinc deficiency, which causes death by pneumonia, tuberculosis, which is clearly amongst the crew, yeah, and scurvy.
1: Oh, great. <laughs>
0: now, scurvy is... Obviously, one of the most famous things to kill people on naval expeditions. Yeah. Now, the reason that it would have been particularly deadly to this, and it's probably pre- pretty deadly to other Arctic expeditions, is because of the way that lemon juice works when it is frozen.
1: Okay. How does lemon
0: juice work when it's frozen? Well, when it freezes, basically the vitamin C breaks down a little bit when it thaws. Okay. And if you constantly freeze it thaw it freeze it and thaw it as they would have done because it would have been stored frozen mm. and then heated up and given out to the men to help prevent scurvy it's it loses that effect to ward it off
1: oh god okay
0: yeah so the more the more time goes on the less of an effect it has and obviously these are they're now stuck in a barren wasteland with no fresh fresh meat mm-hmm I mentioned last time seal blubber being full of vitamin C. But there's no seals. There's no seals. So their uh, lemon juice ration is wearing pretty thin. Yeah. And not really working, which is what is supposed to have been the eventual cause of death of Commander Fitzjames.
1: Okay. Because
0: we mentioned he was pretty famous for having this like, near this brush with death in China when he was shot in the arm and the musket ball went into his back and lodged Mm. in his spine. And the supposition is that that wound would have reopened because of scurvy and with no with no like adequate medical provisions around, he would have died pretty soon after,
1: oh God, yeah, this has been bleak what? It's, it's,
0: <laughs> it's grim, but I will also say this: this is not certain, okay. We are still not hundred percent sure about any of these theories regarding the lost Franklin expedition. We have found the ships. Mm-hmm. They've actually been given to Canada.
1: <laughs> Does Canada want them? Yes. Okay, yeah. fine. <laughs> I mean, that's good. It's
0: nice. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I mentioned that because Canada was like the ones who, they were actually funding these searches for the ships in modern times. Okay. Um, and Britain basically only asked for some bodies to be reclaimed along with gold. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but basically what it does mean is that research is still going on with these wrecks even to well not quite this day the most modern research has actually been suspended because of the pandemic
1: oh no but what an unexpected side effect i know right
0: But they have done some really fascinating things. Like the Terra has been largely 3D mapped. Oh, cool. Yeah. And you can actually, you can go online and find video tours of these underwater wrecks. And it's pretty cool. You get to see what the ships actually look like. What's also interesting is that they haven't yet got into Captain Crozier's cabin (gasps) because there's too much sediment for them to open the door to it. Okay. And that was apparently going to be like the next step was opening up his cabin and then the pandemic happened. (laughs) So I guess there's more to come. We may find in coming years that we have more answers for what happened to them. I think these are some pretty good theories about zinc deficiency and about, you know, them splitting up and half the crew going on overland and half going back to the ships. And that's why they're all in different places. But ultimately, we don't know. Mm. And we may never know, but it's still a cool-ass story. (laughs) So thank you very much for listening to that episode of That Time When. You can follow us on Twitter at ThatTimeWhen4, and if you have any suggestions, you can email us at ttwpod at gmail.com.
1: Thank you, as always, to Kevin McLeod for our theme song, Anachronist, as well as any other music that's been used in the episode.
0: And thank you for listening. Now go out, invest in eels, and don't freeze your lemon juice.
1: And take a multivitamin. Mm, yeah. Bye.